0: Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 22nd of May, 2014. This is Jim Hitcher from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beats Talk SEO. We've got a really fun show for you this week. Um, we have uh, Colleen Hardwick, the CEO of an uh, interesting piece of software for people who are running political campaigns called Place Speak. She'll be coming up in our second section. But you know what, Dave? It's been such a week. Yeah, it's been such a week, I'm telling you. Um, our whole first section is dedicated to talking about what a week it's been. <laughs> yeah, it has been It has been a heck of a week. Normally, we have
2: um, a blog post go out every day, you know, it's a little yeah. news piece, whatever. Yesterday, <laughs> we had to have, I'd had one out at 7, then David here had one go out at like 2 p.m., and then Ange had one go out at 6.
0: <laughs> it was <just laughs> one of those days, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just a, no. it's, it's a crazy day. Before we begin the show, I, I, I really want to uh, assure listeners that you are not listening to the Onion Broadcast Network. Everything we say <laughs> is mostly serious, but uh, I can't help it. It's what happened, okay? Uh-huh. It's not our fault. Where to start? Where to, okay, you know, why don't we start with the big Panda, Panda 4.0. All right. So on Tuesday, I guess uh, Matt Cutts puts... Or, yeah, Tuesday. Again. Was it Tuesday or Monday? It's hard to remember. In Canada, it was a holiday. It was, it day was this week. Yeah. I heard about it at about 7 p.m. on Tuesday. Okay, so it was Tuesday that uh, Matt Cutts throws a tweet out for uh, late afternoon uh, Eastern time, um, uh, early evening uh, Pacific, and uh, he says tomorrow Panda's hitting. Panda 4.0 is going to hit, making uh, about a million SEOs around the world go, oh, wow, really? I thought I thought Penguin was coming. <laughs> Yep. Okay, so Penguin came and went. Um, if you were going to be um, mauled by the Pen- by the latest Penguin update, you'd know it already. Panda, on the other hand, um, would have hit sometime between Wednesday and yesterday. So it's still probably unraveling. Yep. If you were hit by Panda, you've probably noticed, but maybe not. Well, what, what do you think about that, Dave? Um, I... I- I know this is true.
2: Um, it, it's an interesting one. I mean, you know, you can't take credit for everything, right? And, I mean, if some updates hit and you go, ooh, ouch. <laughs> like, let, let's call a spade a spade. All of us have been there. Um, and then you see ones, you know, this one rolled out and I started checking clients. I'm like, okay. Like, I, I have yet to find one that, uh, that didn't do well um, on this update. Um, but I do know on the other side of the coin, I'm doing an audit right now. Uh, fortunately, I haven't gotten to the end of it yet. Um, and they were, I mean, I can't list who they are, obviously, but uh, dramatically impacted in, in, in a negative fashion. I haven't figured out uh, everything involved with that. But I, I can say to your point, if you were going to get spanked and spanked hard, uh, you'd probably know right about now. Um, that, that that was taking place. So, I mean, you know, we're not talking necessarily a uh, what, what's rumored to be related to, uh, to Panda, the eBay, uh, you know, sort of spanking. Oh,
0: we'll <laughs> that's that's, in that's interesting. Second.
2: Yeah. We, we, yeah, they've got a couple is of issues.
0: Yeah, eBay's its own special category today. Um, <laughs> eBay takes, e, eBay has actually pushed Yahoo out of, uh, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. See <laughs> you know, I, I had the weirdest experience the other day, dude. What's that? That might not be a shock, but it actually it happened. Um, <laughs> so I was talking to the CEO of Clear Channel, and he was like, Jim, I really love the show you and Dave are doing. And I was like, wow, CEO of Clear Channel, I can't believe you love the show that Dave and I, I can't believe you even listen to it. He's he like, oh, yeah, but old geek. And I go, wow, that's really cool. And so he's like, Jim, would you read poetry on the show? And I said, well, since you're the president and CEO of Clear Channel, of course I will. <laughs>
2: All right, so are we going to do that right now, or are we going
0: to close yeah. out
1: with that? Or, all all right, right, well, let's no.
0: roll it out. Because this leads us into the eBay story. So, Oh, wonderful. Um, and so, a poem selected by... Uh, okay, I'm lying. I didn't speak to the CEO of Clear Channel. He doesn't talk to me.
2: <laughs> but you don't like
0: reading me. some poetry anyway. But I feel like reading poetry anyway. Yeah. Okay. And this is written for Matt Cutts, and for anyone. Who, um, who deals with, with panda bears. If you go out in the serps today, you're in for a big surprise. If you go out in the serps today, you're in for a few big sighs. For every panda that ever there was is gathered there for certain, because today's the day the panda bears have their picnic. Picnic time for panda bears. Little panda bears are slashing crap-ass content today. See them coding with no cares. Degrading pages that carry misleading claims. Caffeine-addled and barely aware, wearing underwear they haven't had time to change. At 6 o'clock, they're targeting pages that are titled Home, and they'll be tired little teddy bears. There you go. A little (laughs) bit of culture here on webmasterradio.fm. Well, I
2: I was like, is this Jim? Is it Dylan Thomas? You know? I mean, it was hard to tell.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, honestly... um, I uh, I kind of straightened out the language a bit, but it was Robbie Burns. It seeks to pluck their targeting pages tilled home in the So I cleaned it up a little bit for uh, for, for, for our audience,
2: <laughs> and they appreciate it, Jim. They appreciate. It. Like we won't to... even make them eat haggis while we uh, while you're reciting it.
0: I mean, I'd I'd like to read it in the voice of Nietzsche, but I'm not going there. <laughs> Okay, so, Panda, Panda Bears, like, uh, the Panda Bear Picnic, and the eBay Apocalypse. This has been a, like, the worst week if you work at eBay. Oh, yeah. First of all, eBay and eBay listings were among the hardest hit by the Panda 4.0 update. Yep. Uh, eBay dropped like a proverbial Led Zeppelin, in fact. Um, what happened there? What was it about eBay listings that just uh, that just caught the taste of Panda?
2: You know, I like you, like probably most of our listeners, well, when it comes to researching and looking at what's going on and what's winning and, and what's not, I am, you know, first and foremost at this stage, not looking to the general academics and looking to, okay, let's look at our clients, right? Like the first responsibility. Uh, so I, admittedly, I haven't looked a whack into it. But as soon as I heard that happened, uh, my instinctive thought was, uh, good and about time. Um, and it's it's not that I, I have a problem specifically with eBay, um, but the fact of the matter is a lot of that content is regurgitated from, you know, people and I don't even blame them for doing it, you know, copying, pasting, specs. You know, I look up computer stuff on eBay, and they've copied and pasted the specs. Great, you know, perfectly useful, but not wonderfully unique content from, from Google's standpoint. Um, you know, a, a strong site, yes, but the the quality of the content was not outstanding for the most part some people are it helpful but the fact of the matter is i know ebay exists you know ebay exists everybody on the planet earth knows ebay exists if i'm looking for some place to go and buy things in an auction or get things imported from hong kong that i'm not quite sure what the quality is going to be but hey you know i'm willing to gamble because instead of 40 bucks it's a dollar 27 um you know i know where to go it doesn't really have a, a spot um, if I'm searching on Google for something, I know eBay's there, so I'm going to have gone to eBay if I want eBay, and if I'm on Google, I'm going to avoid eBay, <laughs> because okay. I already know eBay's there. So I, I, given the quality of the content, given the purpose of the site, I, I'm not surprised. I, I think it was, it was just and, and provides a better uh, experience for users and for the other people who will now get a, get a shot at the top ten.
0: I'm going with everything you said and adding another, another element, another factor. And that's the cookie-cutter nature of eBay of eBay product uh, listings. When you enter a listing into, into eBay, you enter specific fields. All of those fields are similar to fields that were entered by everybody else in your vertical. Yeah, After a while, uh, and again, this is 100% speculation, okay? But I'm looking down the list that Search Metrics has issued about the big losers at, uh, in, in, in this round of Panda, and again, this is just, honestly, this is just observational speculation. Yeah, but the one thing I see in common with them is that they're all field-entry-type sites, with the exception of ask.com, right? But even biography.com and history.com, if you go and you look at those websites, you'll notice that their pages look exactly the same. Right. They have the, almost exactly the same types of entries as any sort of uh, uh, uh Encyclopedia or um, educational site will, but there's also the quality of the content itself. Um, well, that's ancient, it. We didn't. We didn't do so well in the algorithm, you know.
2: Right, and and, and fair enough, fair enough. There, there was nobody on there, brother there was a couple actually. I'll be honest. there was a couple on there that I was like, really, them. Um, but overall, I sort of looked at the list, and went, yeah, okay. Right? I mean, it wasn't the biggest cleanup, but it was definitely a wake-up call uh, for you know. eBay is a great example, and it would not that be great for them if that was the only problem they were dealing with this week.
0: Um, um, that was my segue there, brother. I was going to use that. I mean, they <laughs> All right, still have Worse problems, and in fact,
2: <laughs> and in fact, you know Let's let's jump there. Let's 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 do it. What what ha- what else happened to eBay to just sort of backhand them once they were on the ground?
0: I'm going to throw out an astronomical number that... I Sit down when I give you this number, okay? Yep. Yesterday, eBay announced that it had been hacked and hacked good. I mean, like, it had been hacked good. At least... At least 145,312,663 unique records. This is your profile with your, um... This is your profile, which includes your name, your password, your email address, your home address, your phone number, and your date of birth. It was included in the data that got stolen from eBay. And we know for a fact that at least 145,312,663 <laughs> unique records were stolen because somebody who goes by the name KBCDPFA, I'm not making this up. Posted on Pastebin that he will sell you a full eBay user dump with 145,363 <laughs> unique records in it. It's going to cost 1.453 bitcoins. Now, I'm not positive what the exchange rate on Bitcoin is exactly right now, but that um, works out to approximately. cents per record. So your name, your password, your email address, address, phone number, and date of birth all put together in this day of big data are worth less than a penny is that amazing? No, That's that's uh that's a little
2: frightening. Now you you I assume have an eBay account. I mean you know pretty much, You're probably one of the 146.
0: You know blah blah blah. Actually, um, I don't. I have a PayPal don't. account. I have a PayPal account which is owned by eBay. But eBay assures PayPal users that uh, that that was not compromised. Right. You but know what I, I did appreciate I, <laughs> on eBay's part
2: um, was I of course went uh, immediately to. As soon as I heard let's go to eBay and, and let's change our password here <laughs> right? like, you know as, as a, that's you know, useful yep because because that's what you got to do as soon as I went there there wasn't an option to log in it was just a you've got to change your password now and that's it and you had to enter it they sent you an email verification right like that was that um, so I, I will give good response in a we're not letting anybody log in right now Right? <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and good for them, they shouldn't um, let anybody log in with that kind of volume uh, getting stolen. But I mean, what, what a, a kick in the butt for them because first, Google says I don't trust you and then you lose the trust of the user by getting hacked to that degree. Um, I mean, that's, that's pretty bad.
0: Well, I want to add one more level to this too. The hack happened over a month ago. Yeah. They just reported it yesterday. Now maybe they just found out yesterday. I I I don't know about that, but I do know that they got hacked a month ago and they told their users yesterday. So for the last month, all that information, and again, just to throw this fun number out there of at least one hundred forty-five million three hundred twelve six hundred sixty-three thousand people, is uh, it's up there. You know, all that information's been out there for like a month, and um, and you got some kid going by the name KBCDPFA at PasteBin just selling it. Um, yeah, I, I think you, you,
2: make a, you make a really interesting point on, now look at the value of you as a human being. And you know what? Hey, Facebook's getting more of a valuation on an individual user than that
0: kid's asking for. So anyway. That's right. So, hey, KB, you're in the wrong business, buddy. <laughs> so you're leaving money on the table here, little hacker kid. You know, my system goes down now. <laughs>
2: Um, Now speaking of money, did you hear? Google has has some money. In case you didn't know, Google has a few pennies uh, floating around, and they have now earmarked 30 billion dollars for acquisitions. So it's looking like spending spree coming up. They can buy me for, like, you know, the, I go for 10 acres. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying, I mean, but apparently they can get people for pennies right now, so, you know. Um, <laughs> that's true. You know, although, you know, just to, to continue the rant I've had every through every acquisition, and we're going to hear again as as they go on their on their acquisition spree, to me, given the valuation the companies are, are getting right now, I'm thinking they can probably get about half a company with $100,000 in annual revenue for that. That's that's what I'm thinking. Um
0: I man. This has just been hitting um, our company recently, and I'm pretty sure it's hitting other companies um, out there, out there in the, the ecosystem. And um, people ask often ask me why I bring my politics into the business realm, or why I've brought my politics onto the radio show from time to time. And this week is a great example of why I do that. And why is that? Right now, (coughs) the incredibly depressed wages in the United States are starting to affect the search marketing industry. (coughs) So we've had for the last 30 years a movement to basically destroy union labor. Now, whether you like unions or not, union labor is what kept the working persons, that means you and me and a whole bunch of other people, and and Dave, you and I are business owners, right? Let's face it. We're small business. We're small to medium business owners. We're not moguls.
2: Well, you might be, but I'm not a mogul. No, I, I think I'd be living in some tropical island right now. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, I have a nice middle class lifestyle. I'm, I'm grateful for it, but not a mogul. Right. So I put myself in the same, you know, the same sort of group as my workers do. I don't make a hell of a lot more than my workers do. I'm, that's just the way I, t- I, I want to run my business. Okay, that's, that's my right. I, What's, what's freaking me out, it's been freaking me out for several years, but it's just coming home to roost now, and I noticed it this week, is the depressed wages out there are drastically lowering the expectations of potential clients. They expect us to come in with like these incredibly low ball offers that are not commiserate with the amount of work we've put into developing our careers and knowledge. And right, something. where you end up in a scenario
2: where they're like, but I can only get, what, half a week of your time for that? I can hire a college student full-time for that. Please do. <laughs> like, well, yes, yes, you can, and you'll be
0: calling me again in six months with a penalty. Um, they, they will, and they'll expect me to do it for cheap. And this has right. to, I mean, seriously, this has got to turn around. It's hurting the industry. It really is. It's, it's, uh, it's degrading. The work people do in the industry. So why do I bring my stuff into uh, into the uh, into the show or into my fa- sometimes in my Facebook stream? Sometimes that's exactly it. I believe we as a group have a responsibility to, you know, I don't know what we have a responsibility to do. Stand up for each other. I don't know.
2: Uh, well, there is that, and, and, and let's be honest. I've known you long enough, Jim. You always like a little bit of a good fight. I do. <laughs>
0: I do, that's and that's uh, why
2: I've enjoyed any time we've been on a stage together in what eight years of making radio.
0: And hey, you gotta admit, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta give me this, bro. I've been right about much of the stuff. This is what I, we're not talking about that. <laughs> what's happening now because of the FCC's pullback on net neutrality is by far the best example. In uh, I don't know what's happening out there in BC, but in Toronto. Both Bell and Rogers are severely scaling back the services that they give their consumers directly because the Americans have, have, are stepping away from the tradition of net neutrality. Um, we are seeing some, some,
2: some yeah. Service degradation? But,
0: you know what? I, I think we get it a little
2: easier because I'm sure you remember from back when you lived out here, it started really, really crappy, and so now they're all fighting to be better. <laughs> the there, there does still seem to be a, a bit of that element where we've got uh, Sean Tellis really fighting, and I can't remember the name of them, but there's a new third party um, just trying to make inroads right now, so that's kind of keeping them honest. Hey, going to my point, where capitalism keeps them honest gotta love all it. For, um,
0: all for healthy competition, I really am
2: mm, I just dislike yeah. unhealthy collusion Yeah, no, fair enough fair enough, I, I get that every time I have to fill up my, uh, my gas tank <laughs> Indeed
0: you do. Okay, so we have about, um, about, about three minutes before we're going to have to take, an, uh, take a break and introduce our, uh, our guest, Colleen. Um, before we jump there, I want to uh, just sort of round off the story we touched on last week, the, uh, the uh, controversy over speaking at Clixie. Yep. As I said last week, they, uh, Lee Hart, the um, global publishing director... For Clicksee told me they were going to republish their speaking guidelines. Remember those were the guidelines that said pay that very clearly said we may ask you to pay to play? Yeah. Well, they did. Like I, you know, um as I said last week on the show, until until shown otherwise, we really do have to take this man on his word, because that's the that's the way to be. Yeah. And uh ClickZ has published a fairly lengthy explanation, clarification on speaking opportunities. You can find it at clickzlive.com, speaking-opportunities.php. Um, I recommend anyone who's ever, you know, spoken at at a ClickZ or SES event or wishes to in the future, uh, go and look at it. They have not fully pulled back from asking certain vendors to... Uh, to sponsor part of the conference, and as part of their sponsorship, a speaking role will be made available to them. But they have severed the necessity to sponsor to get a speaking role. So, how um, to say this? I think they lived up to the letter of the word of the interview I had with Lee Hart last week. I can't say I'm <laughs> totally happy with what I see, but... right. You know, but um, as, I, as I said, I'm, I have to say they lived up to the letter to the letter of the word that they gave us last week. Right. That's cool, mm-hmm. and we can't yeah. expect much more. You know, they said they'd do it; they did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> you can hope for much more, though. So, but uh, you know, I, we could we could go on to this. We, we've got a guest, and I, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, uh, to yeah, chat, and so I, I suppose we should get to that.
0: <laughs> well, we probably should. So, on behalf of Dave Davies from BeefFuck SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to WebCology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stick around, friends. We've got a, re- a really interesting interview coming up with Colleen Hardwick, CEO and founding partner of Placespeak.com. She'll be on after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. WebCology. will be back after this short break.
2: Guys, are you suffering from FD fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory tracking and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need.
3: For-
1: Colleen, there. Colleen, are you there?
3: I am here. Hello.
1: Okay. Is there any way to get you closer to that microphone that you're using?
3: Yes. How's that?
0: Better. Perfect. Perfect. Okay.
1: Excellent. We're just about two minutes away before we get back into the show, so I'll turn things back up and we'll talk then. Hang on, please.
2: You enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking. Inside and out and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy.
1: While some affiliate networks can give you offers, Affiliate Offers Network gives you offers that pay big. Why do affiliates work with Affiliate Offers Network? How about because they work with powerhouse CPAs like Affiliate.com? How about that affiliates get paid every Monday to kick off their work week? Plus, learn how their Green Bucket system can turn your email, display ad, social, video, or mobile impression into profitable income. Get connected today with Affiliate Offers Network. Call 312-560-0175 or visit AffiliateOffersNetwork.com.
4: Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com.
2: Want to learn what it takes to drive truckloads of targeted traffic? Convert the highest percentage of leads and make the most money? Traffic. Leads. Money. On demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm
1: Commercials off. Now, back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave
0: Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beatstalk SEO. And Dave and I are joined by by Colleen Hardwick, the CEO and founding partner of PlaceSpeak, with a degree in urban geography from one of Canada's most beautiful Ivy League campuses, University of British Columbia. Um, Ms. Hardwick is a former member of the City of Vancouver's Department Permit Board Advisory Panel. She works with some other big names in uh, in uh, the world of politics and academia in uh, British Columbia, Justin Harcourt, former Premier Mike, Harc- Mike Harcourt, and Yuri Artebes uh, community engager master. Uh, with a master's degree in public administration, Colleen,
3: CEO and founding partner of
0: PlaceSpeak, welcome to uh, to Webmaster Radio.
3: Well, thank you so much. A pleasure to be here. Now, when I first
0: when I first heard about PlaceSpeak, um, well, a bit of background here. There's there's three elections currently running where I live in in Toronto, Ontario. There's a a, a municipal election, a provincial election. And a couple ridings are, are having by elections for, uh, for for the federal government. So when I heard about PlaceSpeak, which is a virtual consultation forum, my first thought was, well, how do I use this on a campaign? Uh, and that's how I've been thinking about PlaceSpeak. And when I was trying when I was trying to write up the description of PlaceSpeak today, it occurred to me that I don't have it right.
3: I, I misunderstood. Colleen, what is PlaceSpeak? PlaceSpeak is a location based public consultation platform. It's designed to answer the question, how do I consult with people online within specific geographical boundaries? So if I were to be looking at your example of of elections within specific jurisdictions, say it's a city and it's broken into wards, this would allow you to consult with people online uh, knowing that you were hearing from people within the individual uh, uh, wards so that you could compare and contrast any feedback that you're receiving from people online, whether that's polls or surveys or discussion forums or idea idea generation. So it segments all of that information, feedback that you receive from people that are verified as living in those areas and allows you to export reports so you've actually got good, solid geo-reference data.
0: Okay. Now, where... um... Where are some of the places that PlaceSpeak is currently in use? Um, actually, let me ask a different question. My initial, my initial response, my initial impression of Playspeak was, I can use this in a campaign. Is Playspeak currently used by political campaigns?
3: It was used um, uh, once. Again, Playspeak is is an early stage startup it, which has been developed um, from prototype over the last three years with the support of the National Research Council of Canada's IRAP pro, uh, program. And Excellent. so it's been large, largely developed with, with R&D, research and development and academic funding. So um, it, political applications, there was a one uh, in, the, in the B.C. provincial election, There was our, our local riding used it as a, we, uh, a means to crowdsource uh, feedback from people within the specific riding. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what Playspeak does is, it's ca- is called privacy by design. People register and verify that they live where they say they do so that they can be geo-authenticated, but their private information, specifically their address, phone number, and email address, is not shared with the proponent of the consultation. So the proponent in this case, say it was a candidate running in an election, they would know that the people have been vetted, but they wouldn't have access to their private information and, and that's the key to privacy by design. Now why that's relevant to political campaigns is typically when you've got a candidate running, they want to know more more. They want to know your address, they want it so that they can go and knock on your door on E Day to make sure that you show up at the polls, or they want to solicit campaign. Uh, funds from you. So typically, they want private information which uh, PlaySpeak categorically will not provide to them. So, uh, for that reason, I think we've seen it not seen it used as broadly as we may in the future in, in elections because, again, it does allow you to geofence um, and restrict participation to only your jurisdiction but um, the proponent would not have access to individual private information.
0: One of the things that, at least in the Toronto election, that we've been finding very difficult is, well, people aren't actually debating issues. They're more like trolling each other into the ground. It's actually gotten quite ugly. Um, Have you found that people are using um, the application PlaceSpeak to constructively consult with each other, or are people being, um, well, is it like the rest of the Internet?
3: Um, Well, that's a very good point. When people are self-identifying, we describe this as a geosocial platform, so it's a two-sided model. People sign up, they verify themselves to place, they choose how they're going to verify, there's sort of a laundry list of different ways they both automated and opt-in that they can be self-identifying, but that, of course, is not shared, They can then choose by distance and keyword what they want to be notified about and how frequently they want to be notified. So that's all on the one hand. Um, Then when they're providing information, whether it's in discussion forums or whatever, we have found that the level of discourse has been very civil. And we attribute this to the fact that people are self-identifying. There is no... You you can choose to be anonymous um, from a public standpoint, but because your identity has been verified... We have not had any problems with trolls. People have what, to be culpable, and again, the results are all exportable and are going to be used as part of, of uh, decision-making and policy development. So um, we haven't had a problem with trolls by design.
0: It strikes me that the information and the uh, the, the community voices that could be brought out of, out of a uh, speak session can be used in a a number of other applications. They can be used um, to convince a city council to either do A or B. They can be used to uh, pressure or lobby a uh, a business or um, a government. What's the most creative use you've seen of Placepic?
3: Just following on your thought there, the key to this, the mission, is evidence-based decision-making. So, indeed, if a, um, a local government wants to uh, obtain feedback from residents within, you know, a specific geographical area, they know that the results that they're going to uh, obtain online are going to be defensible in a way that there's nothing else that they could do that would be defensible in, in, uh, in a similar way. In terms of creativity... We've seen all sorts of interesting uh, things going on up in Fort St. John in northern British Columbia. They started off doing the Site C dam consultation, then did a follow-on of their boundary redistribution consultation, and now they've iframed Playspeak right into their city's website for all public consultation because, of course, as people sign up, then they're available to be notified of and participate in multiple consultations. So uh, Fort St. John, we've found to be maybe a bit unlikely, but a very forward-looking municipality in seeing a range of of different ways to consult and interact with their residents. We've also seen it used in in emergency services applications. Tofino on the west coast of Vancouver Island uh, has a tsunami siren system. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they used it there. They segmented the Tofino Peninsula into four different zones And then they asked people um, online if they could hear the tsunami siren or not, from from depending on where they were located within uh, the peninsula. So it was very interesting to to see how it could be used in an emergency services application. But we're seeing right now. Sorry.
2: Go ahead. Go ahead.
3: We're seeing it used by public sector in a range of things. The the Surrey School Board is using it right now for their their social uh, media policy development, crowdsourcing within their school district. Uh, we're seeing it used by transit authorities, um, TransLink in, in Vancouver, Calgary Transit. Uh, we've seen it used in Calgary by their, uh, they wanted to do a skate, bar, uh, skate park amenities consultation to determine where to locate skate parks in the city of Calgary. And they had a huge uptake and very successful result there. So uh, many, many different applications that we've seen in both the public and private sector thus far.
2: Now, right now, from, from the sounds of, of what you're saying, the, the vast majority of your users, the people who would be participating in the discussion, not users from the context of you know the city of Calgary, um, but the actual people who are engaging in these discussions with them, um, from the sounds of what you're saying, right now most of those users tend to be coming from specific requests, right? The the city of Calgary is going, we want to know this, and, and pulling in users to, to engage with them on that. Um, what are the, the plans? Because, you know, I'm on the site, I'm looking around, I can actually go and, you know, right near me, there's Dockside Green doing their thing and wanting wanting a discussion. Uh, what's the plan or, or is there one for attracting in users who are just generally interested in being involved in their community, don't really know necessarily every issue going on, but, but, but like to have a say and stuff? Is there, is there an action plan to, to sort of just pull the general public in um, and, and invite them to be engaged in their own community?
3: Well, absolutely there is. Um, we again as I've, I've told you we started we started with the prototype then we moved to uh, through beta testing to our 2.0 version and we've been proving out the thesis each step of the way. Our latest project, uh, again supported by the NRC IRAP program, is our open data strategy. So what what open data is going to make possible is for us to obtain feeds of public consultation notifications that we can then seed out to people. So if there's a rezoning or a development permit application in your area, you can put in your settings, I want to be notified of anything that's coming up within a kilometer of my home or that has to do with, housing or transportation. So it can both either be by distance or keyword. Um, so this is, as we start to implement this program, and we're going to start with the, the G4 of open data cities in Canada, which are Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto, and Ottawa. And then there's a bunch of other cities that are really doing interesting things around open data. So by obtaining um, open data, starting with land use change, because that's the most obviously geographical um, aspect, we can start to regularize and almost turn it into a consultation utility for people to be informed of and engaged with things that are going on in their neighborhoods.
0: Well, Colleen, I had a totally different question, but then you you said the magic words, open data. And uh, (laughs) I... uh, I thought open data plus Google Maps, and i, I think I had a nerdgasm. Um, <laughs> wow! Are you uh, are you working with uh, with Google Maps and with cities to um, to actually visualize urban urban planning and, and urban mapping?
3: Um, yeah, G- uh, PlaySpeak is a fundamentally GIS platform. It's built on a, a GIS technology stack, um, and we are actually just about in the next few weeks to be launching our new tool, which we've got to come up with a better. Name than user input map, but we are developing um, original uh, applications built on top of Google Maps API or Application Programming Interface, so that we can have more interactivity in um, in providing citizens with new tools for providing GIS based feedback. Because really, what to really geek out on this? PlaySpeak is a public participation GIS that authenticates the, lo- the location of the participant. So rather than other kinds of PPGIS that have been out there, they're using mobile devices because of their GPS capabilities, um, we're really dovetailing in the whole I- area of identity authentication. And in fact, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Toronto for the Identity North Conference. I don't okay. know if you guys were aware that that was taking place. But as we, we start to make the web more real, you know, it, it again. We're always we're walking that fine line where we're trying to authenticate the process while simultaneously protecting individual privacy. I see these pieces as coming together within a again what I describe as a geosocial graph, rather than Zuckerberg's just um, social graph. This is really um, something that is is bringing place into the web in an authenticated way, and the implications of that for being able to influence public policy and decision-making are nothing less than paradigm shifting.
0: Uh, uh, Colleen, you, you you don't know this, but I, I know of at least three, probably more of our listeners, whose mouths just hit their chests. I, I know for a fact <laughs> this happened. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm going to ask, when we get off here, I'm going to ask if I can make some introductions, because I know some people who need to talk with you. But... Um, a lot of our listeners are developers themselves, and they, they love stories like this. What was the, um, when you were developing Playspeak, what well, was they, the when, weir- when you were originally developing PlaceSpeak? what was the weirdest problem you came across? You know, the one that just made you scratch your head, something that shouldn't have been a problem, but, but was.
3: Well, I think right from the very beginning, Playspeak came into being because I was looking at a rail corridor on the west side of Vancouver called the Arbutus Corridor, owned by the CPR. And it's mm-hmm. been sitting fallow. The last time it had a train run down, it was in, in 2000, and they discontinued streetcar service in the, in the mid-50s. And it is, is, is one of the wasted opportunities for transit-centered development in the city of Vancouver, which has got serious transit problems. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure out how to break the logjam, and I approached the CPR, and I approached the city of Vancouver, and they both came back and said the same thing. There's a, lo- a logjam around public consultation. And so I said, they said, I, well, I said I was part of a visioning process. I was convinced there was an opportunity and that, that people's attitudes were changing. And they said, well, where's your evidence? So I started, okay, well, how how do I get evidence? Well, public meetings are gong shows. You can't knock on doors anymore. There's no landline telephones. How am I going to, and we had segmented Arbutus into nine individual neighborhoods. And I literally was staring at Google Maps and thinking about these nine neighborhoods, and I started to see green dots popping up on the map in my mind's eye. And that's when it hit me. What we needed to do was to connect people's digital identity to place and prove it in order to be able to provide that evidence. And so when I started trying to figure out how to do that, there was no way. So... That was, that was the core problem, is how do we connect people to place and prove it, and how do we do it in such a way that, you know, they're not going to do it just for a one-off consultation. We have to create something that's much more systematized. Now, I,
0: I, I don't live in Vancouver anymore. I, I I spent some great years in Vancouver, and I love that city. And I know the rail corridor. You're, I know it intimately, the Arbutus Rail Corridor. Now, I don't, again, I don't live in Arbutus. I don't live in Kitsilano. I don't live in any of those neighborhoods. But... I have an emotional stake in what happens to, to that space, and I'm certainly going to be get, going to see it again in my lifetime. I should hope. Um, would I be able to from the from the far, from the far reaches of Toronto? Would I be able to participate in a in a community conversation about something that happens in a city thousands of miles away?
3: It's ultimately up to the proponent to determine the scope of participation because this is, again, all map-based. And what I did when I was looking at Arbutus was I segmented the corridor into the nine individual neighborhood units that I described. But then beyond that, there are 23 uh, neighborhoods within the city of Vancouver. There are 22 municipalities within Metro Vancouver, you know, then, then you, you know, I could take it and make it a Canada wide consultation, but I would be segmenting that data <laughs> because whether or not I am, I mean, ultimately, I want to be informed by the location of the respondents. Oh, of course. Of course. I, as, as a decision maker or as a policy maker, I need to be able to, to balance those perspectives but at least I want to be informed with them because right now with an anonymous interwebs, we have no idea where we're hearing from. Right? Okay. So so the quick answer is it's up to the proponent to determine the scope of consultation. Um, People can obviously be contributing their ideas in all other forms of social media and and, uh, traditional forms of consultation as well. But in this instance, the objective is to be able to provide geo-authenticated data that is relational to the location that is being um, examined.
1: Okay, we
0: are, we are seconds away from having to take a commercial break. Um, uh, b- b- before we go to a commercial break, um, you're working with former Premier Harcourt, Mike Harcourt, um, if anyone who lived in British Columbia or, or anyone who's Canadian who uh, remembers the 1990s. <laughs> um, they likely remember Mr. Harcourt with with fond memories. Um, has he had a lot to um, to add to the project?
3: Well, um, when I first spoke to Mike, I, I, when I was thinking about this idea, I know Mike because my father was uh, the late Walter Hardwick. Dr. Walter Hardwick who was a, a, another notable. Um, Academic and politician in British Columbia, and, and uh, was the founder of a, a municipal party called Team back in the late '60s. And Mike was first elected as a an alderman in 1972 on that ticket. So I've known Mike since I was a kid, yeah. and uh, I I ran into him, and I I ran this idea by him. I didn't even have a name originally. I called it My Place. I said, what if we could create a platform where you could be consulting with people online within specific geographic boundaries? Wouldn't that be great? And he said, sounds great, Colleen. Talk to my kid, who is his son, Justin. And uh, Justin's, you know, obviously in a generation that's going to understand a, a lot more about Internet technology. But Mike understand. Mike is a, a great um, egalitarian. He's someone that really does believe in the importance of consulting with with our citizens and involving them in, in our democracy. And so as a, a thought leader um, and as an advocate, Mike has had a, a, a key role in it. Um, but his son, Justin, has worked quite closely with me in supporting it because he understands the implications for the upcoming generations.
0: Ho- hopefully it was Justin who looked at you wide-eyed and said, oh, my God, don't name it my place. Please, don't name it my place. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was it, just uh, a working entitled. As a measure of how beloved uh, former Premier Harcourt was, I know this is totally not relevant to the conversation, but how is he doing? He had that fall a couple of years ago. Has he recovered well from it?
3: Well, I like to joke that he's been dropped on his head a few times, but um, he's doing really well. He's he's out there um, speaking um, internationally on urban sustainability issues. Um, in fact, he's brought us into places. Our first. Uh, U.S.-based Playspeak consultation is in Orange County, Florida, where they're doing their community sustainability consultation. And that came about as a direct result of, of Mike being out there um, giving a talk on on sustainability.
0: Okay. Uh, Colleen Hardwick, thank you so much for joining us. A CEO and founding partner of uh, Playspeak. Friends, you can look up Playspeak.com. Colleen, we've got to take a break. We've pushed far over time, so... Uh, <laughs> But before you go, how do people engage with PlaceSpeak? Do they just go to PlaySpeak.com and they can, they can start utilizing the application?
3: Yeah. Um, as a, an individual participant, I encourage people to just go and register and claim your place. Um, if there are organizations that want to conduct public consultations, they just click on the button that says start a public consultation and take it from there.
0: Okay. Well, Colleen Hardwick, CEO and founding partner of PlaceSpeak. Thank you so much for joining us on Webcology, friends. We're going to have to take a break, like, right now. Um, we'll be back with a quick wrap-up here on Webcology and Webmaster Radio after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. will be back after this short break.
1: Conversion Conference makes its way back to Chicago. June 17th through the 19th. Register now at conversionconference.com.
0: Hi, this is Tim Ash, host of LPO.
2: Our last show of 2014 is coming up in Chicago. It's going to be our biggest Chicago show. And for my loyal Webmaster Radio listeners, use promo code WMFM for $100 off. We'll see you in Chicago.
1: Remember to listen to Tim Ash Mondays on webmasterradio.fm for landing page optimization. For the latest details on Conversion Conference, register for Conversion Conference Chicago now at conversionconference.com. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here.
0: Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. The Hook with Katie
2: Kempner. On demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on
3: webmasterradio.fm.
0: Commercials off. Now back to WebCoffice, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Deavis. Okay, so the big hand goes over here and the little hand goes over there, but Dave, what I can't figure out is that one that goes around really fast. What do we do with that? <laughs> well, that, that I just call uh, my late Thursday morning. Oh! Oh, I thought it was <laughs> Friends, I am so sorry. The interview with with Colleen Hardwick from uh, from PlaySpeak was going well. We, um, she said, "Open data," and my heart just <laughs> melted. Dave, I couldn't, I couldn't go to break after that. <laughs> I think you're smitten now, Jim. <laughs> oh, but you know what? We owe the fans, we owe, we owe the listeners an apology because you only get another couple minutes of us. Uh, are we all sponsors? Apology too. You only get a couple of seconds talk, uh, of us talking before we have to go back to break again. But that was fascinating. I mean, imagine urban mapping um, around specific issues. Yeah, it's a wow. great idea. Yeah, there was a, there was an amazing trend back in academia. I think you know, I'm thinking. Uh, seven eight years ago and i'm so old it was probably like 15 years ago but it feels just like yesterday to me um about you know mapping specific projects but this is being done on paper not so much online um seeing this happen digitally is phenomenal that stuff nanaimo did what was it had to be six years ago with um with open government yeah that's right where like you can you can actually follow fire engines along google maps now um i guess that's way cool that is so that's, um, that's really interesting what else do we have out there in the way of notes? Um, well, we've got uh,
2: Australia's Yahoo uh, de-indexed rip-off report.
0: <laughs> did they? Well, it's about they, time somebody did.
2: They they did, and it's based on Australian law um, requires that um, search engines remove defamatory content. Um, you know, if if there's a just case for it. Um, and they found that the volume they were getting from rip-off report was so high that it was just easier to remove the entire site um, than remove individual legitimate claims against them. So they just de-indexed the whole site and off they went. Um, so that's,
0: that's major. That's, uh, the Aussies are pretty, are pretty direct about this sort of stuff. Eh? That, that falls under the don't be a douche law right <laughs> i'm, sure, I'm pretty um, sure if they don't have one they need one i'm pretty sure australia has a don't be a douche law it's a it's a, it's a pretty cool place um that's cool because i've seen I, I recently i got i got a ripoff report problem i'm dealing with right now not not my problem somebody else's problem but it's a problem
2: and it's not a problem in australia anymore at least not on yahoo
0: well, let's turn the world, up, world upside down and do the same thing we can in the U.S., because um, I hate that website. I hate fighting those guys. Yeah, I, I think we all
2: kind of agree. Anyone that if you could prove in a court of law your innocence, um, that they're not obligated or at least just ethically motivated um, to, to remove a, a claim when, you know, I understand that I'm always going to say I'm innocent and you're always going to say I'm you know. but where you can go to them with court findings and they still won't remove it, You know, come on Um, Uh, The truth
0: is, I am innocent, Dave I'm completely, completely naive and innocent You know how I know I'm completely naive and innocent? How's that, Jim? It shocked me Shocked me, I tell you (laughs) To find out that a lot of PPC clients Don't understand quality score They don't get it Really? (laughs) Zoom right over their head But then the weirdest thing I found out A lot of PPC companies like it that way
3: <laughs>
0: well, it's a metric cent. Uh to. Uh-oh, okay. Oh, okay. Friends, look. <laughs> I, I want someone from PPC to explain why it works that way. Friends, you've been listening to web culture here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the twenty-second of May, twenty fourteen. On behalf of Dave Davies from BeanSock SEO, that's Dave at BeansockSEO SEO. Uh, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Jim at DigitalAlwaysMedia.com. We're going to be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Stay tuned. we got more amazing content coming up on Webmaster Radio after the news.